Varmt välkommen till Iro-podden. Podden för dig som jobbar inom de kulturella och kreativa sektorerna och som är intresserad av internationella stöd och samarbeten. Hanna Olsson heter jag och är projektledare för International Resource Office. Ett projekt som drivs av det europeiska kulturnätverket TransEurope Hall med stöd ifrån Region Skåne. Häng med så kör vi. Today's episode is going to be in English, so we have a very special guest uh, here today. It's Lea Millikallio, uh, and she has done research. Transjordan is a part of a project called uh, Shift Shared Initiatives for Training, and we are doing that project together with other European networks and one of those networks is a network called ELIA and the project is um, about capacity building and uh, working on some of the UN Sustainable Development Goals and one of the goals we have chosen to work with is environmental sustainability and Lea Very welcome. You did some research for uh, this project uh, when you worked with uh, Elia. So please tell us a little bit more about yeah. that. Yeah, thanks Hannah. Thanks for having me here. Well, I really... So I did an internship at Elia, as you said, and I really came into this project not knowing anything about the cultural sector. So I came into this project with my knowledge of having done a sustainability bachelor's. So it was really fascinating to come into this at first. And so what did I do? I did a lot of reading uh, of different reports. Um, I did a lot of reading from Julie's Bicycle Report, uh, which is kind of the leading organization if you want to talk about sustainability in the art sector and the cultural sector. Yeah. and. Uh, From these reports, I gathered what and where cultural organizations and networks could have the biggest impact uh, in terms of reducing their impact uh, on the environment. Yeah, I think because we, the sustainability within the cultural sector is a very important question now and I also think that the, the funders, EU funders and other funders will also be more uh, into these questions when and ask more of these questions when you uh, apply for grants. How do you work in a sustainable way with your project or within your, uh, your organization. So what would you say, where are we, where are we today? A snapshot of, of today. Well, from what I gathered, where the cultural networks are still in the preliminary stages of really thinking about what they can do. From what I see, <clears throat> most networks are aware that they need to do something. It's more about what they want to do, where there's a bit of a, a concern as to how to approach this topic because it's a very complex one and I mean yeah um, so <clears throat> I think 
cultural networks are still approaching this topic a bit maybe superficially, as I was saying to you earlier, in terms of, oh, let's get rid of plastic, let's do the little things that don't require much sacrifice, because they're the easiest things to do. But the problem is that obviously if you make little changes, you'll have little impact. So what I really hope to see in the future would maybe shift creating a momentum is that cultural networks will take greater responsibility and also take make more sacrifices. And they don't have to be sacrifices. It's only the way you view those changes you make that really determine how you see them. But in the sense of they don't have to be sacrifices, they can also be, you know, if you have a political push inside your organization, you can just see it as a positive change instead of a sacrifice. So, yeah, I mean, everyone knows, I think, what needs to be done, taking less planes, just looking at the emissions from electricity and the buildings and the offices, etc. But obviously that requires internal change in the sense of you need to draft an environmental policy you really need to push every member of the organization needs to push towards you know making a better future where can we find the biggest impacts within the arts and cultural sector well especially for cultural networks those are in energy transport uh, energy and transport, yeah. So, as I said, energy, electricity, transport, planes, take less planes, don't take your car, etc. And, like, for example, at, at the webinar, we saw that um, Alison from home was showed a graph, you know, showing where the emissions lied, really. And some it was something like 95%, which just explained by the travel of their audience, their own travel, and the emissions of their offices. So just by tackling those three uh, sectors, kind of energy emission sectors, you, uh, you, you can achieve massive change. And that's where you should focus really, not only recycling. Exactly, so there is a lot to do, even if you are a smaller independent uh, arts organization. Mm -hmm. so to go by train uh, yeah make sure that you turn off your computers maybe yeah I mean I'm always advocating for the fact that you need to focus on whether impact is the greatest you know but obviously also those little changes can be good and you know Turning off your computer will have a small change, but it still creates a momentum inside your organization, which could be beneficial towards reducing your emissions. So it's all about integrating, really thinking about sustainability, not only as a virtue signaling type of thing, but really integrated inside in your own thinking process. So you think about, yeah, about where you can always change your behavior every time of the day. So what could be a first step to write a plan or? Well, first of all, I think it's important that all the members of the organization are integrated into the planning of an environmental policy. Because I mean, 
you can always have the director of whatever organization drafting something, but if not everyone is in it, change will be limited, I think. But um, yeah, so just get everyone together, I guess, draft something, throw some ideas around and really see if everyone is motivated to achieve change because that's the most important. Yeah. Yeah. First I think, step, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, comes with all changes that you need to have the whole organization with you when you start a process of, uh, of change because if you don't, it will be quite tricky right yeah no exactly and i mean <clears throat> it's also important to know that there's not a miracle solution like a, a plan that you can apply for every organization it really must be something that's personalized to each organization and that obviously comes by discussing what with everyone in, in inside the organization so yeah, yeah. so it's all about uh, a change of mindset in yeah, the exactly. Whole organization. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So really, not see it as like a bonus virtue pointer. I was saying so because that would be greenwashing. You know, if you just try to get rid of plastic, which can be good, but if you just see that as a step towards sustainability, it's really that you have not understood anything about the challenge that that is ahead of us and about sustainability in general. So maybe. You should do some more reading or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of good, good examples out there. Also, uh, as I see it, do you have any tips of uh, good examples to uh, to look into? More specifically, like uh, organizations who has worked with yeah, so and yeah. Uh, we did a webinar last week, and there was the exceptional Alison Cradle there. Uh, from home and home has really so we interviewed them uh, during the process of my research at Elia for the shift project and it was a really fascinating conversation because they basically tick all the boxes of they really integrated sustainable thinking within the organization so it was not only the head of home that really pushed for sustainability to be yeah integrated within home but also he included everyone through um, uh, through a carbon literacy training. And what that does is, as I just said, that you think about sustainability as, a, about more, as more than just getting rid of plastic, but you really integrate it within your mindset that, oh, this is what we have to achieve in terms of CO2 emission reductions. And that's what we need to do to achieve that. And then it just trickles away into greater change because everyone is uh, implicated into achieving greater change within the organization. So home is definitely uh, a great example of how you can achieve massive emission reductions, which they did. And at the webinar, we are referring to that we had uh, last week, actually, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was last week. <laughs> Uh, we also had uh, uh, the head of the uh, Helsing Boy uh, Orchestra, the Helsing Boy Symphony mm -hmm. Orchestra, and he talked about their work with also, uh, it's not only because they have stopped uh, flying in conductors and uh, musicians uh, 
for the concept. So uh, they have a policy that, uh, yeah, conductors and uh, musicians should come by train or uh, more uh, environmental friendly way of, uh, of transportation. But it's not only that, it's also the housing with the, the building that they are in and the work with the municipality. And so that's also, it's not only one thing, it's uh, also embedded in, the, uh, in yeah. the organization and in every part of what the organization does. So, and I think because a building can also be, have a huge impact. Uh, on, uh, on the environment in terms of electricity and those things. Uh, yeah, I think you definitely need to, if you want to change your way of operating towards being more sustainable, you definitely have to see it as a holistic process, which needs to include multiple parameters. So obviously you need first internal, you know, collaboration, which can lead to very measurable change, as you said, with the building. But what's also really important is collaboration, external collaboration with other actors. So for example, with HONE, they're part of this um, city network of the Manchester, of Manchester City, uh, of the city of Manchester, sorry, this is not football, um, in which they work with other cultural actors in the city of Manchester to achieve sustainable change. Uh, in collaboration with other actors so I think this external collaboration is also definitely a key aspect uh, towards sustainable change of cultural actors. The Skorna region for example has drafted a plan of how to reduce their carbon emissions you know and so networks in the city of, of Skorna, uh, cultural actors in general, can then collaborate with the region of Skana or different cities in Skana to, you know, create a, a collective momentum to achieve a reduction of CO2 emissions. So yeah, that's extremely important as well. Yeah, we talked about that also uh, when we were chatting before uh, we started to record that uh, you need both. You need the uh, individual and organization to do their job but it's also on a bigger level so both are needed uh, in order to uh, achieve this change that yeah uh, exactly is needed yeah it's not like they're both mutually exclusive they need to you know you need internal and external change to push and pull in order to achieve collective greatness coming in. <laughs> exactly. Do you think that the cultural and creative sector could be like in the forefront of this, uh, of this change? I think definitely. I mean, the cultural sector is massive in Europe. It creates many jobs, I would say. I'm not a specialist, but uh, it creates, it has a lot of job and cultures, it is something that is valued in general in the EU, I would say. And so if the whole sector would move towards greater sustainability, this definitely would have an impact. And what's beautiful about the cultural sector also 
is that they tend to think about things in a different way, in a more creative way. And so if you have a collective will to move towards a better future, I think the cultural sector could, I don't know, have beautiful ideas about other ways in which we could achieve this, those CO2 emissions we greatly need and how to achieve a change in behavior also how we need to think about things in a different way also because it's not that we just need to blindly uh, reduce our co2 emissions it's also that we need to change the way we approach uh, personal consumption etc how we yeah how we how we just view the world in general i mean it's a bit yeah depressing to say that maybe but we just need a change of mindset and behavior. And I think the creativity of the cultural sector can help in that for sure. We also talked about that, that uh, it's interesting because you chose also, or it's chosen in the uh, shift project to include leadership mm -hmm. in all this. So it's like a fourth path of the uh, of the chief project which is not one of the sustainable development goals but we still included it or is still included in the uh, in the shift project so uh, and i think that's interesting because uh, what you talked about earlier that is need to be embedded in this work need to be embedded in the whole organization if you really want to uh, to make a change it also comes back to leadership, right? I mean, definitely. I think, for example, at Elia, I don't think I would have been hired really if the boss there, Maria Hansen, really cared about this topic and was motivated to achieve some change, some form of change. So definitely, if you have a leader, leader, yeah, or any leader really, whatever, that tries to achieve something, it can only be beneficial and I think it's also something that is really needed so you see it also at home that where the boss really pushed for sustainability to be included because he felt that that was the right thing to do so you only you not only lead, need need you know in to include anyone but you also need the top executive executives of whatever organization to feel that it's the right thing to do to push it even further and more quickly and yeah so uh, to conclude uh, kind of so if you want to start this work as an organization it comes to the first step is really to get everybody on board mm -hmm. in the process if i understand you yeah no exactly and a bonus point could to have a leader as you say that really has a will to change something because that just makes the process quicker in general yeah we also talked about imagination that's a part of the cultural and creative sector and that that could be also a part of uh yeah a part of this work yeah that is very definitely. interesting i think definitely to, yeah, yeah this other yeah this other mindset of uh, of thinking that this could be uh, very usable and this doesn't mean maybe that because it's sometimes it's felt 
from the art and culture sector that uh, the sector is supposed to solve all the world's problems, but uh, and that uh, and we can't, of course. But uh, everybody in all sectors maybe need to take their share of the work. I mean, definitely. I mean. I would say that the cultural sector is also limited by the fact that it maybe doesn't get as much money as other <laughs> sectors in the EU. But again, I always come back to home, but really you should check out what they do. They're really the lead, a leader in, uh, in terms of color, sustainability in the cultural sector. But they talk to us about how you don't really need that much money to make a, to, to make a substantial change in the way you operate. It's just really the will to change something that is the most important. But obviously I'm not saying the cultural sector is in it alone. You do need policy support of the EU, maybe more grants in order to achieve these sustainable changes, you know, because it's not something that the cultural sector alone can just, you know, face alone. Uh, so yeah, I think there definitely needs to be more grants allocated or also just a framework in general in, in the way sustainability is addressed in the cultural uh, in the cultural sector, which doesn't exist, I think, uh, yet really. Because it's, it's really a matter of priorities and it's a matter of money also, uh, mm -hmm. as you say. So it's uh, maybe it's like a way to trick yourself to say that it's not a sacrifice in a way because it is, but you need to do it and you need to to change this uh, this mindset mm -hmm. i mean obviously there's going to be sacrifices if you view it in terms of how you operated before but you just need a change of mindset in, into saying that oh i'm looking into the future i want my future to look good and be sustainable and great for my children and so I'll make this not as a sacrifice, but, you know, as a move of what I think is good. Yeah, as a necessary move. As a necessary move, yeah. yeah. Not as a, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Going a step uh, away from your normal way of thinking and regular way of thinking and working. And exactly. And I'm not saying that's easy. I mean... I studied this and I still have problems into, you know, changing my mindset in certain ways because you're just used to, I mean, we're creatures of habits as humans, you know, so it's very difficult to break ha the habit of saying, oh, I'll just take the plane because I can, you know, you, it, it's a long process, but if you just keep reading about the topic, it will just come naturally because then you're aware that it's the, as you put it, the necessary thing to do. Exactly. So it's, that's also why it's important to get everybody in the organization on board in these processes because it's, yeah, it really is change of habits and way of working. And uh, Exactly. You have to really integrate into the thinking process really about this matter into your your own mind kind of thing. So where do you see the the future in, in all this? The future in general, our world, how it will be? 
Yeah, or for the art and the cultural sector? Um, I mean, from what I saw in the shift project, so I'm not a specialist, I, I only did an internship of about uh, six months. But from what I saw, there is a very positive dynamic in the sense that, for example, we did a survey of different cultural networks and they all, all said, we want to do something. We just don't know how to do it. And so all the material is there, as I said. So I just read a lot of reports of Julie's Bicycle and all the materials, all the information you need is there. You just need to really put it in a in a place for everyone to really grab onto and to just you know oh I don't know about this I'll just go on this website quickly and check in so there's a very positive dynamic I would say but you just need to push it a bit further you know so that it will all spill over very quickly and then the change will be exponential you know so it's like with the very beginning phase and I think it's only gonna get better kind of so I'm pretty positive. So the will and the good intentions are there. And mm -hmm. now it's just to provide uh, the tools, so to speak. Exactly. And the, I think the frustrating part is that the tools are there, you know. People, yeah. It just needs to be presented in the right, in the right way, kind of, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so at least some... Hopeful and positive uh, wrap up for this, but yeah, it's a lot of work to be done, I guess. Definitely, and I mean, I'm not that positive for the global state of the world, but for the cultural sector, I am. From what I saw, as an external kind of kind of person that just came into this uh, a bit randomly, I must say. Well, that's good to hear, and that. Uh, hopefully the way is gonna continue to exactly I really to hope so also. I think the the will is out there so it's uh, only the next steps to to be taken now exactly thank you so much for uh, joining us Leah today no worries it was a pleasure Gärna in på vår hemsida iro.teh.net Där hittar du information om aktuella utlysningar, kommande workshops och informationsträffar med mera. Inte minst så kan du också gå in och prenumerera på vårt nyhetsbrev. Aktuell information hittar du också via vår Facebook-sida International Resource Office. Söker du på då? Stort tack för att du har lyssnat.